names out there. And don't, don't Google them while we're here in church tonight because I have this detector that will be able to you know, tell if you are surfing the web and uh, we can jam the signal just like in North Korea. Um, but some of the best YouTube videos out there are the ones that show a kid just going crazy with excitement after opening a gift under the Christmas tree on Sunday morning. Maybe you've seen some of these. I mean, certainly in the last several years, uh, they've gone viral just with these kids exploding with joy. And they all tend to contain a child, but sometimes there are a few with adults doing lots of screaming and jumping up and down and sometimes Pentecostal dancing. I'm not going to try to uh, show you what that looks like, um, although I wish that I could. But it's about that one thing that she or he wanted so badly and even wrote to Santa about. Something so uh, desired that nothing could make Christmas better but that one particular gift. And every year there's always one top gift that a child wants. And once the gift is exposed after the first rip of wrapping on the present, then there is no concealing the excitement any longer. There's just this absolute and pure excitement. But you can also see this unbridled enthusiasm uh, in a gift or over a gift in the movie The Christmas Story, uh, which is made classic by the channels that continue to show it you know, these marathons for a whole week of Christmas, just one after another of uh, the Christmas story, where all Ralphie wants is what? A Red Ryder BB gun with a compass in the stock. That's a particular. Uh, I actually have one of these at home, but it doesn't have a compass in the stock. So if you have one, it's probably uh, worth something. But Ralphie is so excited that he immediately runs outside with it, and just like everyone has been telling him all of his life, he shoots his eye out. Well, almost. He had glasses on, and that helped. An even more energetic reception of a gift is from his father, though. Don't you just love his father? Uh, most of his good lines I just can't quote here tonight in our <laughs> gathering. But he's got some good ones, but... Some of them were about his particular gift. Uh, he has won a prize on a radio show. It arrived one day in the mail in this big wooden crate with fragile, or as he said to his wife, look, honey, fragile. It's from Italy. Stamped on it. Of course, she corrected him. Ralphie's dad is awestruck as he wonders what might be inside of this big crate. As he gently opens the crate and he digs through the packing, he finds within this prize of his life, or this major award, as he calls it, a long, beautiful leg lamp, a leg lamp, wearing black fishnet hose and topped by a sultry dress lampshade. It's what every man wants. And as the narrator described it, the old man's eyes boggled. The dad can't contain his excitement about this gift of all gifts. And at the great dismay of his wife, he puts it in the living room window where all passers-by can admire it with him as they walk up and down the street. 
Now, you may not get a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas, and I hope, I pray, you don't get a leg lamp. But what you do get as a gift in the manger of Bethlehem will produce a joy that is so great that it cannot be concealed by you. It's something you can't wait to display for the world around you to see. And that's really what this night is all about, isn't it? Isn't that why we are gathered here? Because we understand that there is a real excitement and a deep joy, a joy that is much deeper than we can ever experience in our material gifts and in the lights and even under the best of trees. We recognize that joy is somewhere else. Joy is to be found in the Christ child. And that's how the shepherds in the Christmas story from Luke's Gospel responded after finding Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Luke wrote of how when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And it was just as they had heard as it had been advertised by the angels when they were out keeping watch over their flocks by night. The angels told them that good news of great joy was now available. It wasn't just something that was off in the future, and it, it wasn't something that they might be able to get. It was something that was good for them right there in the midst of their circumstances. And that's just what they needed. They had had their share of bad news. There was always a wolf out there somewhere trying to get one of their sheep. There was always the cold of the night. There was always that unpredictable element of things that happen when you're out shepherding with your sheep. They could at least do something about most of those problems. But there were bigger problems out there that produced bad news for them most every day. Things like poverty and sickness, injustice and hunger, just to name a few of the problems not only the shepherds had to deal with, but the people in their families and in their religious group and in their society. These were big problems. And the longing they had for good news must have been very hard to dismiss, especially in the late of the night as they bedded down believing that good news was as distant to them as the stars they could see in the sky. The news was not only good for them, though. It was good, uh, as the angels had said, it was intended for all the people. It was good news for everyone. And so this wasn't just breaking news for a local market. It was worldwide, global news, affecting the lives of people everywhere. And as shepherds, even when there was good news, it was always for somebody else. I mean, if they ever heard it, especially if it was someone from the Roman government who was uh, blowing a horn and trying to make this great proclamation of good news, they knew it was not good news for them. It was always good news for people who were rich. It was always good news for people who had power and control in society, but not for shepherds, certainly not for them. On this day, however, it was different. A whole different kind of news that was being proclaimed. 
and it was for them. It was for everyone. And they didn't waste any time receiving it and making it their own. But they said to each other, let us go now to Bethlehem and see. We really don't get any other information here about an argument about whether they should go or how to get there or what needed to take place. They just said, let's get out of here and go and see what this is all about. And what their eyes saw in the manger matched what their ears heard from the angels. Good news was right there in Bethlehem, wrapped in bands of cloth. They couldn't conceal their excitement. It says that they left from there and they made known what had been told them about this child. Luke shared that all who heard them talk about these things and the the discovery they made there and, and the people who saw them They had this sense of amazement. They were amazed at their discovery of this gift in the manger. Word about Jesus was already getting out. And I think it was getting out particularly because their lives matched the good news that they were sharing. It was life-changing news for them. They certainly didn't have a YouTube channel to post this discovery on, but their joy had gone viral. The world was hearing about it. Isn't that how the message of Christmas affects us still? Maybe not. Maybe we get so accustomed to hearing it. In fact, I can't hear uh, nothing against Michael McCreary because he's a great reader. But I can't, uh, I can't uh, help but hear, was it, was it Linus who read that in uh, Peanuts, you know, the great Christmas special where the, the Christmas story, the same text from Luke chapter 2 is read, and it is such an incredible story. But sometimes we have that way of hearing it that we have always heard. And what Luke invites us to do with his gospel here today is to hear it in a brand new and a fresh way. Because it comes alive for us each and every year as we contemplate the wonder of God's incarnation. If we keep our eyes and ears open to the messengers of God who visit us, especially in the unpredictable moments of life and in the places that we would least suspect to ever hear from God, and if we stay closely tuned in to what those words are telling us, then we too will want to find and to see Jesus as well. What we see of Him will not disappoint us either. We will see God in flesh, laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. What kind of a God would descend into creation and take on human flesh? And this is what we see. We must first become enthralled in deep wonder of what we see in Jesus allowing it to excite within us that which God has always wanted, an unobstructed connection and oneness with us. And so if you believe nothing else tonight, may you believe that, that God wants that kind of relationship with you so much that God was willing to come into our world. 
what we see of Jesus there in the manger will lead us to become like the shepherds and how they made known what they had been told about this child. In other words, we won't be able to conceal our discovery of Jesus. It will be evident to others in a variety of ways. And one such way will be with our expressions of joy after the discovery. Seeing Jesus up close and personal will make you radiant with a light that other people can't help but notice. Today, as you are out shopping for your last-minute gift, did anyone see that radiant light in you? And I'll confess, I was in line today, cut off by a lady who was much better at cutting in line than I ever have been. And I'm pretty good at it, especially in traffic. But she totally did uh, a maneuver around me, and I was getting ready to let her know I was on my way to church, and I didn't have time for her cutting in line. I wonder, does our light shine like it should? You discover something powerful and life-changing in the manger. And like the shepherds who no longer saw the countryside or the sheep or the stars in the sky in the same way again, neither will you see your world in the same way. Really, all of us ought to leave this place tonight seeing the world in a completely different way. In fact, you won't live the same way you did before you met Jesus. The way you live, love, work, give, sing, share, grieve, the way that you suffer, and the way that you speak will be immensely different than ever before. Your joy will be obvious and a revelation of God's good news to the people around you. Another way that we make Jesus known to the people around us is in the message that we tell them about Jesus. Isn't the world dying to hear the good news of God? I'm afraid that the reality for many who encounter Christian, uh, Christians today is anything but joyful. History shows that we don't always make known what this child is all about. Just this week in the Pope's annual address at the Vatican, and I just, I love this Pope. I'm certainly not Catholic and, and not really uh, ever considered to be one, but um, not that there's anything wrong with that. But this past week, he really went after the leaders in the church. Have you seen this? If you look it up, there's an English translation uh, that's there that is his annual address to them. And he took on the ailments of uh, these leaders and he talked about spiritual Alzheimer's and existential schizophrenia. I love, I'm going to use that another time. <laughs> existential schizophrenia as two of the 15 ailments that these leaders of the church had. And if you look in the video, you'll see that they're just lined up around the wall there in the Vatican and their heads are bowed as not to make eye contact because of the words that he was saying. These are leaders in their church who have forgotten their way. They've had great and incredible spiritual experiences with Jesus Christ. And yet, according to the Pope, they are living dual lives. And by the way, he included himself 
and that we. We recognize today that we have these challenges too. We have all or have certainly had these ailments of hypocrisy and indifference, resulting in a very mixed message for our world. But what a great occasion we have after tonight to leave from this place, to go back to our homes and our neighborhoods, our workplaces and our schools with the proclamation of the good news of what God brought into our world in a dirty, old, dusty manger far off the beaten path. Our words are one way to make Jesus known, but our actions will speak louder. As Chuck Meehan, the CEO of Volunteers of America of, of North Louisiana, as he is known to say, and mostly to me, I think, that he would rather see a sermon uh, than hear one any day. So many in our world today have heard the words from us about the Christ child. But how often have they seen our words in action? Just how is it that this good news affects our character and our relationships with one another, our business deals, our compassion, our finances, and the issues right here in our local community? We aren't really making known what we have heard and discovered about this child until his radical message for the world is heard or his abundant grace for sinners, his selfless service to all people, and his undying concern for the least of these in our society is displayed in each one of us. And if that isn't taking place, then our version of the good news is not good news. I'm grateful to God on this Christmas Eve that our church here, Church for the Highlands has so many accessible opportunities and participants for making what we have heard about this Jesus child known to our world. And each of us has not only a child uh, to see this particular Christmas, but one to share broadly with our world. Existing here to bless the Highland neighborhood with the love of Jesus through our community partnerships. In so doing, we get to be shepherds, glorifying and praising God, as Luke said, for all that we have heard and all that we have seen. May it be so with us this Christmas Eve. Let us pray.